0: Hi, it's Amy Siskin of The Weekly List and author of the book, The List, and welcome to episode 55 of The Weekly List Podcast, which accompanies week 137 on the Weekly List website, theweeklylist.org, and corresponds to the week ended June 29th, 2019. Welcome! Before we get into this week, I just wanted to give you a short description about the photo that accompanies this week's list that you can find on the website, theweeklylist.org. Initially, the photo we had selected was of Trump and Putin yucking it up at the G20 and joking about Trump, joking that Putin had interfered in our election and about the quote, fake press. We, after further thought, decided to change it up to a photo that circulated this week that is extremely disturbing to look at. Uh, It is of a father and a daughter who washed up on the shore of the Rio Grande, and I just want to tell their story. And first off, the reason we decided to go with this photo, even though it's a disturbing image for us to look at, is we cannot look away. But as well, the lists and the podcasts are being archived in the Library of Congress. And it's someday when historians look back at this week, they should remember what we saw and how our country has been impacted. The photo shows a father and a daughter. She's under his shirt. Um, They were crossing the Rio Grande. What has happened in our country is there for many months now has been hundreds of migrants crossing the border from Mexico to the US, Trump threatened Mexico with a trade war. And as a result, Mexico has been holding up people from crossing, which they are, again, I need to say this, legally allowed to do. People coming from Central America are legally allowed to seek asylum in the United States. But they have been stopped in Mexico, which does not have facilities to house them. And so some people have become desperate and have tried to cross, as this family did, when a bridge that went from Mexico to the U.S. was closed, and they had made several attempts to cross already. The father crossed the Rio Grande with his daughter, had put her on the bank on the other side, and went back to get his wife. As he turned around to get his wife, the daughter jumped in to go after him. She didn't want to be alone on the bank alone. And when he went back to get her, they were swept away by the current, and they died, and their bodies were washed washed ashore. The image was first captured by a Mexican newspaper, and later on Wednesday, the AP shared it. It was imagery that circulated around our country, and although, again, it's disturbing to look at, these are the human atrocities that history will hold us accountable for. I also want to comment this week, we spoke, and we've been speaking extensively about the conditions at the detention centers once migrants do cross into our country. Uh, And we had been talking as well last week about how the media has not been given access to see the insides, despite disturbing reporting we spoke about last week, especially with immigrant lawyers and advocates speaking to the media about what it looked like inside for these children. This week at both the Clint, Texas facility, which we talked about last week, where 300 migrant children were held, without toothbrushes, without soap, without toothpaste, without being allowed to shower in frigid conditions and inhumane conditions, the media was allowed in. And in Homestead, which is a for-profit facility, the largest, uh, John Kelly, Trump's former chief of staff, serves on the board of the company that owns owns Homestead in Florida, uh, CBS was also allowed in there. But if you've studied history, um, and I highly suggest if you get to go to Europe, there's to see Prague, um, now in the Republic of Czechoslovakia. And Hitler had hoped Prague would be a museum for an exterminated race, the Jews. And so there's a lot of artifacts there to see. But there's also a camp, which translated in English is is Terezen, concentration camp, where Hitler brought the Red Cross to show conditions of what how nicely the children were being kept in the concentration camp. They cleaned it up, they brought in the Red Cross, and the world thought, okay, this is not so bad after all. That's the same thing the Trump regime is doing this week with these guided tours where the the media had no access to the children and had limited access, but suddenly everything looks great. But we know otherwise from extensive reporting that's been done and from Uh, immigrant advocates and immigrant lawyers who have been in these facilities. And again, it is our national shame that this is happening and the world is looking on. That's been news that's taking much of the headline, or excuse me, not enough of the headline, but Trump uh, also this week, we're going to talk about his trip to Osaka, Japan for the G20 And the continuing theme that we've been talking about since Trump took office in week one, where Trump has belittled our former allies in NATO and elsewhere, and cozies up with us authoritarians like Putin, like the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, like Turkey's Erdogan. There's also some major decisions this week from the Supreme Court. And notably, we talked last, week's about, last week about authoritarian expert Marsha Gessen, who was one of the experts that led me to start the list. But an article she wrote in November 2016, which was so prescient, speaking about how the Supreme Court or Trump's would appoint an extremist on the courts that would then make the court in, lose a public trust. And that is starting to happen and you, we're going to talk about two decisions this week, but as well a shift in the mood of the court that is quite dangerous for us all. So I'm going to get into it. This was another long list, not as long as last week's list, but there is a fair amount going on. We're going to open with just some notable things that are happening in our country. On Monday, a group of famous actors performed a live streamed reading of the Mueller report titled The Investigation, A Search for the Truth in Ten Acts highlighting the 10 instances of possible obstruction of justice. If you haven't seen it yet, I suggest you Google it. Um, It's it's an hour and 20 minutes, many famous actors. It's item number one on the weekly list. You can take the link and it will take you to see a video of it. One of the main issues that we've been talking about in recent weeks is only 3% of our country has read the Mueller report and read about the 10 acts of obstruction of justice. So this is a Reader Digest version done very well. And if you have time, if you have an extra hour, try to watch it this week. On Sunday, popular knitting website Ravelry, which has more than 8 million users, said in a statement it is banning sharing posts of support for Trump, saying support for Trump and his his administration is, quote, undeniably support for white supremacy. On Sunday, the Salt Lake Tribune editorial board wrote, quote, yes, we have concentration camps, saying the comparison of detention facilities is correct, and noting, quote, because that starts as this. On Monday, the New York Times editorial board wrote, quote, children shouldn't be dying at our border, and gave a guide of action items for citizens, including calling Congress, reporting raids, and donating to humanitarian efforts. When I say reporting raids, don't forget last week we talked about Trump saying he was going to round up, quote, millions and have them deported. On Tuesday, the Highlights magazine, many of us read that as children, their CEO condemned Trump's detention centers in a statement about human decency, calling for more humane treatment of immigrant children and noting our children are watching So that just, you know, tips of the waves, some not normal things that are happening to bring attention in a national effort to bring attention to the atrocities of this regime that they are getting away with, with no consequences. Also, just notably, I just want to add, we spoke about this last week, there is not a single person in charge of our immigration policy being carried out right now that has been confirmed by our Senate. We have all acting directors and or people in the White House that have Trump's ear like Stephen Miller. On Saturday, as we start the week, Trump accused the media of misreporting on Iran. Remember last week we almost went to war with Iran? Uh, Tweeting, quote, I never called the strike against Iran back as people are incorrectly reporting. I just stopped it from going forward at this time. On Saturday, and we talked about this story last week, the Oregon Capitol was closed Um, Again, there were a number of GOP senators that walked out and went over state lines to Idaho so they wouldn't have to vote on climate change um, legislation. The Oregon Capitol was closed over a possible militia threat from right-wing protesters a day after Governor Kate Brown sent the state police to round up GOP lawmakers who walked out over the climate change bill. On Tuesday, as the walkout by GOP state senators entered its sixth day, Democratic Senator, Senate President Peter Courtney gave assurances that the climate change bill would not move forward if they returned. So look how the Republicans are able to do that and get away with it. And look how little we've been doing. We bring our butter knives to the gunfights as Democrats to hold Trump accountable. On Sunday, and you know I just want to step back and say this really isn't even about Left and right anymore, folks, this is about saving our democracy and becoming an authoritarian state. And anybody who is not speaking up now against these atrocities is silently complicit in what is happening. It's important to remember that in history. On Sunday, Trump repeated his threat that deportations were only being delayed, tweeting, quote, I want to give the Democrats every last chance to quickly negotiate, adding two weeks and a big deportation begins, exclamation point. PBS NewsHour reported Trump delayed the immigration and customs enforcement deportation raids ahead of Vice President Pence's Latinos for Trump rollout Sunday in Miami to embrace Hispanic voters. On Sunday, in an interview with Meet the Press, when asked if he was prepared to lose the 2020 election, and this is important, folks, Trump said, no, I'm probably not prepared to lose. I don't like losing. I haven't lost very much in my life. So another thing we've talked about is increasingly Trump is saying out loud that he does not plan to leave, Uh, that if, you know, and if he does win, that he doesn't, or if he either wins or doesn't leave, that he doesn't believe in term limits. So again, here we are in Meet the Press. Trump asked if he is prepared to lose the elections. No, I'm probably not prepared to lose. Trump also said he did not believe the 2016 vote count. We're back to 2016, saying, quote, I'll say something that, again, is controversial. There were a lot of votes that I don't believe, adding there was much illegal voting. And folks, this is where I scream to you all, 2020 is not going to be a fair election. And if Trump does lose, he's not going to leave. He's going to say there were illegal votes. He controls much of our judicial system now. We need to have impeachment hearings. Trump also said if Democrats start impeachment, quote, I think I win the election easier, adding I did nothing wrong. So impeachment's a very unfair thing because nothing that I did was wrong. When asked if he had given any thought to his presidential library, at first Trump said, I'm so busy, then suggested it might be at one of his properties. Trump said he had a, quote, great conversation with Saudi Crown Prince MBS on Friday and defended the partnership, saying, quote, I'm not a fool. And repeated a lie that Saudi Arabia is buying 400 billion worth of US goods. That's again uh, an overinflation by about 400 times. But don't forget, last week, a UN human rights investigation found that Saudi Arabia was involved in the killing of journalist Jamal Khashoggi. Trump also said his regime is doing a, quote, fantastic job at the border, and when asked about hurting migrant children, blamed Democrats, saying if they changed the asylum law, everything would be solved immediately. NBC News host Chuck Todd, who conducted the interview, was heavily criticized for softball questions and for not pushing back on Trump for his numerous lies during the interview, including the millions of illegal votes in 2016. We're still talking about that. Similar to his ABC News interview in week 136, Trump's NBC News interview was a rating disappointment and drew in just 3.1 million viewers, fewer than the ABC News at 3.9 million. On Sunday, Vice President Mike Pence told Face the Nation the conditions for children at some de- detention centers are heartbreaking and unacceptable, but blame Democrats for lack of funding. On Sunday, the sheriff of Hidalgo County, Texas, said four bodies, including a young woman, a toddler, and two infants, were found on the Texas-Mexico border. The four appear to have died from dehydration and heat exposure. The bodies were found close to where a section of Trump's wall is set to be erected. The FBI will take the lead on the investigation. And just to be clear, folks, these are not the same bodies as the ones pictured with this week's list. These are additional bodies. On Monday, NBC News reported in a private Facebook page, uh, in a private Facebook post, Justice Department lawyer Sarah Fabian defended herself, saying the viral video of her last week was selectively edited and gave false impression of her appearance in court where she had said that the children were in safe and sanitary conditions in Clinton, even though they weren't given toothbrushes and soap. She also said she had reportedly been getting death threats since her defense of the Trump regime, not supplying basic hygiene products. On Wednesday, AP reported the bodies of, and this is the picture that I that is posted the bodies of a Salvadorian man and his 23 year old daughter were found on the banks of the Rio Grande. The AP released the photo to the American public, which was widely circulated. The girl was tucked under her father's shirt with her arms grasped around his neck, indicating she clung to him as they drowned. The bodies were found on Monday when Mexican newspaper La Jornado circulated the photo. The family sought asylum. In desperation, when the bridge in Mexico was closed, Oscar Alberto Martinez Ramirez swam across the river with his daughter, left her on the bank on the other side, and then went back for his wife. The girl jumped in after him, and both were swept by the current. On Wednesday, Fox News host Chef Smith got emotional discussing the deaths and the migrant crisis, saying, quote, the process of presenting yourself at the border has changed. There's not adequate anything for anyone on Thursday. Ken Cuccinelli, the acting director of ice told CNN that Martinez was to blame for his daughter's drowning death, saying they should have sought asylum legally. I just need to point out here. They did, Um, asylum seekers from Central America are allowed to go to our border and present themselves. They were not given that opportunity because of what the Trump regime is doing. On Wednesday, employees of Wayfair Furniture walked out over the company's sale of 200,000 of beds to a government contractor, BCFS, which operates shelters for migrant children on the southern border. The employees said in a letter, we, quote, want to be sure Wayfair has no part in enabling, supporting, or profiting from this practice. In response, Wayfair donated $100,000 of the $86,000 profit to the Red Cross. On Monday, AP reported the government moved roughly 270 of the 300 migrant children at the Clint, Texas facility to other facilities after media scrutiny about inadequate food, water, and sanitation. Representative Veronica Escobar, who was briefed by Custom and Border Protection, said some of the children will be moved to a Border Patrol Station 1 in El Paso. One advocate said conditions were not necessarily better there. On Tuesday, CNN reported 100 migrant children are being moved back to the controversial facility in Clint, which lawyers, doctors and advocates warned has major health and hygiene problems. Remember last week we talked about the guards wearing masks to prevent them from being sick and photos this week circulated of of Anne Frank reminding us that she did not die from being gassed at concentration camps. She died from disease at concentration camps. On Tuesday, NBC News reported a customs and border officials said the agency was not running low on supplies in response to citizens looking to donate hygiene products and food to detention centers after last week's reports. The officials added the CBB- CBP is looking into the possibility of accepting donations in the future, but for now we're using operational funds to provide things, but those things are available now. On Tuesday, New York Times reported John Sanders, the acting commissioner over the Customs and Bureau Protection Agency, is expected to resign amid public outcry over the mistreatment of migrant children. Sanders, who has led the agency since Trump tapped Kevin McAllen, who previously held the role, to replace Secretary Kirsten Nielsen as Homeland Security head in week 126, so he's been there For 13 weeks, excuse me, 11 weeks. On Wednesday, NPR reported in sworn declarations, immigration rights lawyers who conducted interviews of the migrant children described the conditions in the Clint detention station as inhumane. The lawyers described tearful, malnourished children who reeked of filth and were jammed into frigid, overcrowded conditions and were not allowed to bathe, clean their clothes, or have access to hygiene Reporter by hygiene products. However, when NPR and other reporters were given a tour of the facility on Wednesday, they were given a vastly different showing of an orderly clean facility with pantry stocked with snacks. Officials claimed the children could shower. Reporters walked past holding cells of children, but were not allowed to speak with them. The tour was meant to rebut lawyers describing life-threatening conditions and calling it a public health emergency. Similarly, on Friday, CBS News was given a guided tour of the Homestead Detention Facility in Homestead, Florida, by Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar. Unlike previous reporting, which had described that facility as a prison, the camera crew witnessed orderly lunch lines and packed and boisterous classrooms. Azar told CBS News, quote, "...there's been a lot of factual misrepresentations or just ignorant statements." On Wednesday, a group of attorneys filed a lawsuit asking a federal judge to hold the Trump regime in contempt and take immediate action to remedy unsafe conditions for migrant children in detention facilities. The lawsuit was based on the 1997 Flores Agreement and said conditions pose, quote, an imminent threat to the health and welfare of class member children, citing children are, quote, dirty, hungry, cold, and sleep deprived. On Thursday, at her weekly Press conference, Speaker Nancy Pelosi said she spoke to Trump Wednesday on immigration, but their negotiations, but during their negotiations, negotiations, the White House issued a statement saying they are done negotiating. Pelosi said she's become a lioness when children are endangered, and paused when asked about the photo that accompanies this week's list, saying, quote, the little girl wanted to be with her father and couldn't say he couldn't save her and couldn't save himself. On Thursday, the House passed the Senate version of a border bill, sending $4.6 billion humanitarian aid package to Trump for signature, but leaving House Democrats warring over accepting the Senate terms. In accepting the Senate version, Pelosi capitulated and dropped their insistence on stronger protection for migrant children. Moderate Democrats, 129, broke to vote with Republicans in the House to pass the bill. Vice President Pence reportedly privately gave Pelosi assurances they would abide by some protections, including 24-hour notice of migrant children death and a 90-day limit for children in temporary intake facilities. So that's the border crisis, folks. Uh, In other topics related to what we usually call everyday racism in our country or everyday isms. Uh, on Sunday, in a homophobic op-ed titled, quote, The Shame of the LGBTQ Pride, West Virginia State Senator Mike Azinger argued, quote, Tolerance is the last virtue of a depraved society. And again, we're in June, which is Pride Month. West Virginia Republican Party chairwoman Melody Potter praised his op-ed, calling it, quote, right on and is biblically based and saying, quote, more people should do the same. Thank you. On Friday, Arizona State Senator President Karen Fan and House Speaker Russell Bowers ordered a pride flag removed from the Arizona Capitol Museum after Secretary of State Katie Hobbs put it up to celebrate pride. On Friday, and this story got very little attention, but it could have been a, a catastrophe. On Friday, three men in Rochester, New York area pleaded guilty in a foiled plot to bomb a Muslim community, police found 23 arms and three, quote, impro- improvised explosive devices in their possession. On Monday, the acting inspector general of the Treasury Department said his office would open an inquiry into why a new $20 bill featuring abolitionist Harriet Tubman has been delayed by Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin. I'll give you a hint. She's a black woman and she's replacing somebody who Trump loves, our former president, Andrew Jackson. On Monday, and and this is, again, one of these things that we have normalized, there are allegations, very credible allegations that Trump raped somebody. And it just is not even breaking through in the news. On Monday, in an interview with The Hill in the Oval Office, Trump denied E. Jean Carroll's rape allegations that we spoke about last week saying, quote, she's not my type. Trump also claimed it never happened. Most Republicans stood by Trump on the allegations. Senator Susan Collins called the not my type comment bizarre. And Senators Joni Ernst, Mitt Romney, and Mike Braun said the allegations should be taken seriously. On Monday, Dean Banquet, the executive editor of the New York Times, admitted critics were right and the Times has been overly cautious in its coverage of Carol's allegations against Trump, again last week, there was basically no stories about this in the New York Times as it was breaking. Finally, on Wednesday, the two women that Carol spoke to contemporaneously went public, and the New York Times interviewed them. Carol Martin and Lisa Burnback, both well known figures in the 1990s, told the Times that Carol confided in them. On Tuesday, CNN reported the Robert Murdoch-owned New York Post pulled a story about Carol's rape accusations against Trump on orders of Cole Allen, a former top editor and Trump supporter. On Wednesday, Marsha Jones, a 26-year-old Black woman, and this is a really disturbing story, was indicted in Alabama on charges of manslaughter for initiating a dispute that led to her being shot and losing her pregnancy. By the way, the woman, the person who shot her was not charged at all. And she's being charged for manslaughter because she lost her baby. On Friday, a federal judge imposed a life sentence for neo-Nazi James Fields, who killed Heather Heyer in week 40 by crashing his car into a crowd of protesters in Charlottesville. He also injured 30 people. Fields will not be eligible for parole The judge said, quote, the release of the defendant into a free society is too great a risk. Prosecutors said Fields remains unrepentant after the attack. Okay, now we're going back to the news as we started the week. On Monday, Trump signed an executive order putting in place new sanctions on Iran, impacting much of their current leadership. Trump also mentioned that he would be sanctioning Ayatollah Khomeini on his list of Iranian leaders. Khomeini died in 1989. On Monday, Monday, in an interview with the Hill, Trump said he does not need congressional approval to strike Iran and added on Congress: quote, I do like keeping them abreast, but I don't have to do it legally. Again, another sign of Trump consolidating power. And he has some help on Monday. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell shut down a vote on an amendment which would have required congressional approval for the use of military funds on Iran. Some Republicans had backed the amendment. On Tuesday, Iranian President Hassan Rouhani responded to the sanctions, saying Trump is, quote, afflicted by a mental disorder, echoing North Korea leader Kim Jong-un's insult of, quote, mentally deranged U.S. dotard. On Tuesday, Trump responded in a series of tweets, this all sounds very familiar, saying quote, Iran leadership doesn't understand the words nice or compassion. They never have, adding, quote, sadly, the only thing they understand is strength and power. Trump also tweeted, quote, obviously, the people of Iran are great people. I know many of them. I have many friends that are Iranian. Iran's very ignorant and insulting statement only shows they do not understand reality. Adding any attack on the U.S. will be met with overwhelming force and obliteration. On Tuesday, when Trump was asked by reporters in the Oval Office about his exit strategy if Iran, if he goes to war with Iran, he responded, quote, You're not going to need an exit strategy. I don't need an exit strategy. On Tuesday, Eric Trump said an employee at a high-end bar Avery in Chicago spit on him. Chicago Police Department officers were on scene assisting with the federal authorities. On Tuesday, Politico reported Trump is tiring of of acting White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney, reportedly snapping at him and expressing frustration, signaling a slow deterioration of that relationship. Trump also does not like to hear bad news, which, which Mulvaney must deliver. But as his third Chief of Staff, Trump is unlikely to fire him in the short term, Trump is said to like the flexibility of having staff in an acting role, and this is where I remind you of how many staffers are either unfilled or filled by acting, including everybody working on immigration, and have not undergone the Senate confirmation process. On Tuesday, Trump named Stephanie Grisham, First Lady Melania Trump's communications director, who has been with Trump since 2015 to be his third press secretary in less than three years. Grisham was also named communications director, a role vacant since Bill Shine left in March. She is one of the last remaining members of the Trump campaign, still serving in the White House. On Tuesday, the Washington Post reported that while press secretary for the Republican majority in the Arizona House of Representatives, Grisham took away a reporter's access to the floor after critical coverage. On Tuesday, some 50 reporters showed up to toast Sarah Sanders at her going away party at Rare Steakhouse. One reporter told the Times, quote, you'd better not say I was here. Notably, as press secretary, Sanders went more than 100 days without giving a press briefing. Again, a reminder, folks, we've had two White House press briefings so far in 2019. This was also something in Marcia Gessen's article in November 2016 that she reminded us and actually presciently warned us about that the idea of a daily press briefing was a norm, not a law. And here we are. Sarah Sanders, under her, we went more than a hundred days before she resigned without a press briefing. She also lied frequently, told Mueller she delivered false statements to reporters and called the media the enemy of the people and worse. On Monday, House Oversight Chair Elijah Cummings re-upped his demand in a letter to Maivani for the records of Trump's past meetings with Russian President Vladimir Putin ahead of their G20 meeting. We still have not got that information, so we're going to be talking about some of the stonewalling. Here is more stonewalling. On Monday, Axios reported the House Oversight Committee will vote Wednesday to authorize to subpoena Kellyanne Conway for testimony in connection with her violations of the Hatch Act. On Monday, Conway said on Fox and Friends of calls for her firing, quote, they want to put a big roll of masking tape over my mouth and, quote, chill free speech because they do not know how to beat Trump. On Monday, White House Counsel Pat Patsplione said in a letter to Chairman Cummings that Conway would be barred from testifying before Congress, quote, in accordance with longstanding precedent of executive privilege, Henry corner of the watchdog special counsel, who was a Trump appointee testified that Conway's actions created an quote, unprecedented challenge to enforce ethics, citing her repeated violation and her quote, unrepentant attitude. On Wednesday, the house oversight committee voted 25 to 16 with representative Justin Amash joining Democrats to subpoena Conway. On Monday, House Judiciary Chair Gerald Nadler said Annie Donaldson, Don McGahn's former chief of staff, will testify before his panel after being subpoenaed. Due to her pregnancy, testimony may be slightly delayed. On Monday, Representative Jim Hines, a senior member of the House Intelligence Committee, came out for impeachment, tweeting, quote, There are moments for clarity and conviction. This is such a moment. The count stood at 80. On Tuesday, the Huffington Post reported, as pressure for impeachment grew, House Demo- Democratic House leaders convened a closed door meeting with members to show the perils of impeachment with polls in 50 battleground districts. Members expressed that Democrats were coming around to impeachment. Representative Jerry Conley said, quote, it's a dam that could break any minute, adding, quote, we are only one major explosive piece of testimony or evidence away. One member said some representatives are looking to craft a message around, quote, aggressive oversight and accountability for 2020, citing evidence that voters in moderate districts support that. On Monday, House Oversight filed a contempt report against Attorney General William Barr and Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross for refusing to turn over subpoenaed documents about the citizenship question. On Tuesday, the House Oversight Committee released a transcript of an interview with James Uthmeyer, a former senior Commerce Department official, on adding a citizenship question to the 2020 census. Commerce Department lawyers instructed him, he was a senior advisor to Secretary Ross, not to answer questions about his conversations with Ross he refused to answer more than a hundred questions. So again, all sorts of stonewalling folks. The Trump regime is, is not is not cooperating on anything. On Tuesday, the wall street journal reported house intelligence committee interviewed Georgie Rish, Rishalsi, I'm sorry, I'm mispronouncing that a Georgian American businessman who pitched a proposal to build a Trump tower, Moscow in 2015 to Michael Cohen. He told the journal during his eight hours of questioning, he was asked about his proposal, his interactions with the Trump organization, and his reference to a compromising tape of Trump, which he told the panel does not exist. The Mueller report details his meetings with Cohen. He told the journal that Cohen, quote, was always keeping options open, and they had several conversations about the Trump Tower Moscow project. He forwarded a design of the tower sent by Cohen saying, quote, if we could organize the meeting in New York at the highest levels of the Russian government and Mr. Trump, the project would get worldwide attention. So again, that was testimony on Tuesday before the House Intelligence Committee. On Tuesday, the House Judiciary Committee and Intelligence Committees announced that (coughs) pursuant to a subpoena, Robert Mueller had agreed to testify before both panels in open session. On July 17th, the committee chair said, quote, Americans have demanded to hear from him directly on, quote, Russian attacks of democracy and Trump and his associates obstruction of the investigation. So that is scheduled for July, 5th, July 17th. This is where I back off and say, if we get that, we can all celebrate. I am very pessimistic, given all the other items I just read to you on the list, that the Trump regime will let that happen. If it does, it's going to be a turning point. On Wednesday, Politico reported the two House committees also plan to call Mueller's deputies to publicly testify, including Andrew Weissman, Andrew Goldstein, Janine Ree, and Michael Dreburn. On Wednesday, on Fox and Friends, uh, co-host Brian Killamede expressed doubt about Mueller, saying, I don't think he knows the details of the Mueller report, and likened Mueller to the King of England, saying, he assigns the people. On Wednesday, Trump called into Fox Business host Maria Bartiromo's show and said of the Mueller testifying, quote, it never ends, adding, quote, we had no obstruction. We had no collusion. Trump repeated his false refrain, quote, there was no obstruction. There was no collusion, adding crime on the other side that should be investigated, quote, you you had people spying on my campaign. It's real simple. On Wednesday, Politico reported pro impeachment Democrats hope Mueller's report, in a, Mueller's testimony in a public forum detailing his report will be a breakthrough in building public support. Just an estimated 3% of Americans have read the 448 page Mueller report, which is laden with footnotes and legalese. Impeachment supporters hope public testimony will drive more members of Congress off the fence. On Wednesday, Trump sent a series of tweets before the first democratic debate and while heading to the G20 in Osaka, Japan, telling his supporters who to follow, who follow, adding, quote, sorry, I'm on Air Force One, off to save the world. So he was telling them who to follow during the democratic debates, which happened on Wednesday and Thursday. Trump attacked Democrats, tweeting, quote, according to fake news and low ratings CNN, Democrats say hearings could change impeachment debate, adding, quote, they are hoping that yet another do-over. Trump also tweeted, quote, no collusion, no obstruction, adding, quote, Mueller said he was done after his last nine-minute news conference, as later corrected, quote, and now Dems want to give it another try. Does it ever End. Trump questioned why House Democrats are not calling, quote, Comey, Brennan, Clapper, Page, and her FBI lover, whose invaluable phone records were illegally deleted, Crooked Hillary, Podesta, Orr, and Nellie. Trump tweeted, these people have, quote, leaked, lied, and did so many other terrible things, saying they are not called, quote, because it is a rigged Democrat con game, and the fake and corrupt media loves every minute of it. Trump blamed passage of the super predator crime bill on Joe Biden, Bill Clinton, and quote, crooked Hillary Clinton, which he said inflicted great pain on many, including African Americans. Trump was also for that crime bill. So these are just all of him spewing out tweets on Wednesday as he headed to the G20. Uh, On Wednesday, a half hour into the Democratic debate, which Trump told us he was off to save the world and he wouldn't be tweeting about. Uh, Trump tweeted in capital letters, boring exclamation point. Trump also tweeted about a technology glitch saying, quote, NBC News and MSNBC should be ashamed of themselves, adding truly unprofessional and only worthy of fake news organization. On Thursday, after the second Democratic debate where Kamala Harris, a black senator, notionally won the debate, bots amplified a far right conspiracy saying Harris is not black and is not a U.S. citizen. Donald Jr. also tweeted and later deleted a tweet saying Harris is not black, tweeting, is this true? Wow. The conspiracy is reminiscent of birtherism attacks on former President Obama, which Trump espoused. On Thursday, Twitter announced it will place a disclaimer on tweets sent by Trump and other leaders, which really they just mean Trump, um, that break the company's rules. Twitter has argued these tweets should remain up since they serve the public interest. The disclaimer will say, quote, the Twitter rules about abusive behavior apply to this tweet. However, Twitter has determined that it may be in the public's interest for the tweet to remain available. On Thursday, the House Foreign Affairs Committee released the testimony of former Secretary of State Rex Tillerson's seven hour of testimony last month. That revealed Jared Kushner operated independently with foreign leaders. I mean, what could go wrong? He has no diplomatic training. He has all sorts of conflicts of interest, has gotten away with all of it, gotten all this refinancing from foreign money of his properties, including 666 Fifth Avenue. But again, this is now testimony of our former Secretary of State that Jared Kushner operated independently. And I want to scream off the highest mountain about this because this is reporting that we had talked about in the early weeks of the list And this is basically confirming it with his testimony. And yet the story got no attention this week. On several occasions, Tillerson was blindsided by Kushner's discussion with world leaders. He spotted Kushner with Mexico's foreign secretary at a restaurant in D.C., hashing out a fairly comprehensive plan of action. And he didn't know about that meeting. This is also important. Tillerson was surprised by the 2017 Gulf crisis in which the U.S. sided with Saudi Arabia and the UAE over Qatar. In week 35, Kushner failed to get a bailout of 666 Fifth Avenue from a Qatari sovereign wealth fund. And you can find that story in week 35. The Intercept reported that the rationale behind us siding with Saudi Arabia and the UAE because Kushner was upset with Qatar for not refinancing. Refinancing his underwater property, which has since been refinanced uh, by foreign money. But again, this is just such an example of the kleptop- kleptocracy that they're getting away with. Tillerson also described the challenges of briefing Trump, who does not read papers and is easily distracted by peripheral topics. Tillerson said it was his choice to reduce media access to the State Department. On Thursday, in an interview with BBC, the Dalai Lama said Trump's time in office was defined by a, quote, lack of moral principle. In contrast, the Dalai Lama said he had no worries about Trump's presidency in 2016. The Dalai Lama is concerned with Trump's withdrawal from the Paris Accord and the migrant crisis, saying, quote, when I saw pictures of some of those young children, I was sad. America, you should take a global responsibility. On Tuesday, Judge Emmett Sullivan rejected a DOJ motion for an appellate court to re-examine his ruling on, emol- in the, on the Emoluments Clause lawsuit brought by 200 Democrats on Congress, saying it can move forward. So now we're going to talk about some of the things happening in the courts this week. On Tuesday, a federal appeals court said a lower court in Maryland should examine new allegations that the Trump regime had a discriminatory intent on wanting to add a citizenship question to the 2020 census. The Maryland case examines whether the question violates equal protection guarantees. The case in the Supreme Court is a separate case that considers whether the regime violated administrative law and the enumeration clause. So these are the two cases we talked about the Maryland case last week. The federal appeals court now is telling Maryland it should re-examine the allegations. On Tuesday, the Department of Justice filed a civil complaint against Trump adversary Omarosa, remember her, saying she failed to file a disclosure, a financial disclosure report after she was fired in late 2017. This is when me, the narrator, reminds you of how many people in the Trump regime that are still there now have improperly or delayed filed the, filing their financial disclosure report including but not limited to Ivanka, Jared Kushner, Elaine Chao, Betsy DeVos, Wilbur Ross, et cetera, et cetera, let alone all the people who have left and not filed. In a statement, Omarosa's um, lawyer, John Phillips, said the allegations are untrue and that Trump's White House had chosen to, quote, abuse the process and to use Department of Justice to carry out retaliation. And I want to remind you now they're going after Omarosa, but his Department of Justice last week spared Paul Manafort from going to Rikers. So again, our DOJ is under the control of Donald Trump. On Wednesday, Politico reported former FEMA director Brock Long has repaid just 2% of the $151,000 of taxpayer monies. A Homeland Security Department inspector general probe found he spent for personal use. On Thursday, Paul Manafort pleaded not guilty in New York Supreme Court to state fraud charges brought by the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, the third criminal case he has faced in recent years. The state case, which was brought just after his sentencing in March, could be possible test for double jeopardy, which his attorney said he will file a motion claiming a Trump pardon would not apply to state crimes, which is why Cyrus Vance, the Manhattan DA, filed these charges after Manafort was sentenced on Thursday, the Supreme court, two major rulings on Thursday, the Supreme court ruled five, four along partisan lines to bar federal court challenges to partisan gerrymandering, the practice of state legislatures in power drawing voting maps to help its candidates. Chief justice, John Roberts, who wrote the majority opinion has long argued that politics could play a role in drawing election districts and that the judicial branch should not second-guess lawmakers' judgment. Justice Elena Kagan delivered an impassionate dissent for the four liberal judges from the bench, she said, with deep sadness, saying the practice of gerrymandering imperil our system of government. Kagan also wrote, quote, Part of a court's role in that system is to defend its foundations. None is more important than free and fair elections adding the rule had taken away the remedy for escalating partisan manipulation. Um, Again, I just want to point out just some background here. Roberts has been waiting for this opportunity to have a majority. And there was much reporting after this happened um, that the fact that there are now five conservative judges, that there will be retrying many cases like gerrymandering that in the past had seemed very clear Uh, And now we're going to relitigate a number of those cases, including potential things like Roe v. Wade and gay marriage with the five conservative judges in the Roberts court. On the other hand, on Thursday, the Supreme Court voted 5-4 with Roberts again uh, being the swing vote and this time signing with liberals to reject adding a citizenship question to the 2020 census, saying the regime's rationale appeared to have been contrived. However, Robert's left open the door, saying the regime must offer genuine justifications, reasons that can be scrutinized by the courts and interested public. Time is short, though, since census forms must be printed out soon. On Thursday in reaction, Trump tweeted, quote, seems totally ridiculous that our government and indeed country cannot ask a basic question about citizenship in a very expensive, detailed and important census, Again, we have not asked this question in our country since the year 1950. Trump also said he wants to delay the 2020 census, tweeting, quote, I have asked the lawyers if they can delay the census no matter how long in order to give the Supreme Court additional information. Folks, somebody brought this up on my Facebook page, and I think we just need to like start to think about these fantastical things. Just as Trump says he'll delay the census. What if he imposes martial law and delays the 2020 election? saying that there are illegal immigrants in the country and we're not ready to vote. Last week, he said he's going to deport millions. He can make these things up, folks. We have to stop thinking in the way that we have thought in the past and counting on norms that are norms, not laws. The Census Bureau said it faces a Monday deadline to print the survey, which is taken every 10 years, although the Bureau's chief scientist said in an appeals court testimony the deadline could be delayed until October 31st. On Friday, the Supreme Court granted an appeal to the Trump regime's efforts to end the deferred action for childhood arrivals, or DACA, in the next court's term after refusing to expedite consideration this term. So we're going to be hearing DACA next term. On Friday, Roll Call reported the Supreme Court ruling this term signal a shift without a justice in the middle. The five conservative justices will be seeking to undo longstanding precedents they believe were wrongly decided. On Friday, the House Ethics Committee announced it is launching a formal inquiry of Representative Matt Goetz over his tweet threatening Michael Cohen with a release of embarrassing information before his House testimony. Gets skipped an initial interview, an extraordinary rebuke of his colleagues, which led the committee to launch a formal inquiry led by two Democrats and two Republicans. Gets tweeted he would skip the formal inquiry, too. This is the stonewalling Trump and his allies are doing and getting away with. On Friday, late Friday, good news, a federal judge in California ruled against the Trump regime in two cases preventing $2.5 billion in federal funds from being used to pay for Trump's wall in portions of California, New Mexico, Texas, and Arizona. The first lawsuit, brought by 17 attorney generals, blocked Trump's attempts to move $2.5 billion from the Defense Department budget to build portions of his wall in California and New Mexico. A second lawsuit was brought by the ACLU on behalf of several environmental groups and blocks $1 billion of funding. Allocated, the regime had, fun, had allocated to build his wall in Texas and Arizona. Both lawsuits allege the Trump regime could not spend taxpayer money without congressional approval. The judge found, quote, no new factual or legal arguments persuade the court of the Trump regime's analysis. On Wednesday, in a series of tweets, Trump attacked Megan Rapinoe the U.S. co-captain of the women's national soccer team, which was playing at the Women's World Cup in France. Trump's tweets were sparked by her saying, no, I'm not going to the White House, adding, we're not going to be invited. I doubt it. She also said she would not join her team in singling. She also has not joined her team in singing the national anthem since Trump has taken over. Trump tweeted, women's soccer player M.P. Noe just added that she is not going to effing White House if we win, adding Megan should win first before she talks, Finished the job. Trump initially spelled Robinhood's name and used an incorrect Twitter handle, but later deleted the tweet and corrected it. Trump also cr- criticized the NBA, which now refuses to call owners owners, he said, for not coming to the White House. Trump also tweeted. So again, I just want to point out like this is happening on Wednesday as he's about to leave for the G20. This is what the leader of our country is tweeting about. Trump also tweeted, quote, we haven't invited Megan or her team, but now I am inviting the team, win or lose. <laughs> Adding, Megan should never disrespect our country, the White House or our flag. And, you know, again, we wouldn't expect this kind of behavior from middle school students. He's, he's tweeting about Win or lose now, I'm going to invite them, just to spite her. On Friday, Megan scored two goals in the U.S. team's 2 1 victory over France uh, in the quarterfinals in Paris. She also accepted an invitation from Representative Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez to visit the Capitol instead. On Monday, Bloomberg reported Trump privately discussed the idea of ending the Japan Defense Pact, signed after World War II with confidence before claiming it is too one sided. On Wednesday, before heading to the G20 summit in Japan, Trump questioned the treaty on Fox business saying if Japan is attacked, quote, we will fight World War III. But if they, but if we are attacked, quote, they can watch on Sony television. Trump also berated China over stalled talks falsely claiming quote don't let anyone tell you china is not paying for it china is paying for it adding we're not paying for any of it trump also complained about european leaders ahead of the g20 saying quote almost all the countries in this world take tremendous advantage of the united states it is unbelievable trump also attacked germany and nato falsely claiming quote we pay close to 100% of nato and people don't know what don't know that we pay for we pay close to that, because Germany doesn't pay for what they're supposed to pay. Trump, however, had no unkind words for Russia. When asked by reporters before leaving for his upcoming talks with Russian President Vladimir Putin, Trump responded, what I say to Putin is, quote, none of your business. After landing, Trump went to dinner with Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison, who has defended Trump on Twitter, who Trump has defended on Twitter in recent days over his government's hard line with refugees and asylum seekers. On Thursday, Putin told the Financial Times that Trump's 2016 victory and the rise of nationalist populist movements in Europe demonstrated, quote, the liberal idea has become obsolete. Putin also dismissed findings in the Mueller report and said it was quote strange that Russia is still being accused of election interference and praised Trump as being, quote, talented. On Friday at the G20, when Trump and Putin spoke to reporters, one asked Trump if he would raise election interference. Trump joked with Putin saying, quote, don't meddle in our election, president, while smiling. Trump then repeated the phrase, don't meddle in our election, while wagging his finger at Putin, while Putin and onlooking Secretary of State Mike Pompeo both smiled, too. Trump said, quote, it's a great honor to be with President Putin, calling their relationship very, very good. Russia invited Trump to Moscow next year for the 75th anniversary of Victory Day, which Russia says he accepted. Trump also joked alongside Putin, saying of journalists, we should, quote, get rid of them. Fake news is a great term, isn't it? And telling Putin, quote, You don't have this problem in Russia, but we do, Putin responded, we also have. Trump's remarks on the media came at the one-year anniversary of the Capital Gazette shooting in which five employees were shot and killed. Numerous journalists in Russia who are critics of Putin have been jailed or found dead. According to the World Press Freedom Index, Russia ranks near the bottom in terms of press freedom. So Trump is sitting next to him saying, if journalists get rid of them. In contrast to Trump, Prime Minister Theresa May from Britain was photographed with Putin looking stern and serious after a frosty meeting in which she confronted him over the Salisbury poisoning. May told Putin, quote, there cannot be a normalization of our bilateral relationship until Russia stops the irresponsible and destabilizing activity that threatens the UK and its allies. That is Russian interference. In response to Putin's FT interview, May told Putin that the UK would, quote, continue to unequivocally defend liberal democracy and protect the human rights and equality of all groups, including LGBT people. On Friday, Trump was 30 minutes late for a meeting with world leaders while sending tweets attacking Democratic rivals and bragging about the stock market. Trump tweeted, quote, I am in Japan at the G20 representing our country well, but I heard it was not a good day for Sleepy Joe or Crazy Bernie, adding, quote, one is exhausted, the other is nuts. This is while he's abroad representing our country. On Friday, this is an important story, folks, former president Jimmy Carter interviewed at the Carter at a Carter Center event said, quote, Trump didn't actually win the election in 2016, adding Trump, quote, was put into office because the Russians interfered on his behalf. When asked if he believed Trump is an illegitimate president, Carter responded, I would say yes. Carter said on Russian interference that Trump should condemn it and admit that it happened. On Saturday, when asked about Carter's comments, Trump told reporters at the G20, quote, look, he was a nice man. He was a terrible president, adding he's a Democrat and it's typical talking point. Trump also said, quote, as everyone now understands, I won not because of Russia, not because of anyone but myself adding that he felt, quote, badly for Carter because of how he had been, quote, trashed within his own party. On Friday, the New York Times reported that other than Putin, Trump met privately with only one leader, Saudi Arabia Crown Prince MBS at the G20, despite the United Nations report in week 136 on the murder of Jopal Khashoggi. The CIA has also concluded that the Crown Prince MBS ordered the murder. Human rights and journalism advocacy groups warned Trump's meeting would embolden autocrats to repress or kill journalists. On Saturday, Turkish President Erdogan told reporters that Trump told him in a private meeting that he would not impose sanctions over Turkey's deals to purchase a Russian missile defense system. Trump's deal seemed to conflict with the Pentagon, which threatened to move industrial operations to other countries unless Turkey gave up its plans to purchase the Russian surface-to-air missile defense system. So again, this is a Trump's pattern of cozying up with these authoritarian leaders and berating our allies. On Saturday, after a meeting with Chinese President Xi Jinping at the G20, Trump said he agreed to relax limits on Chinese telecommunications giant Hawaii and delayed new tariffs to restart trade negotiations. Last month, the Commerce Department imposed sanctions on Hawaii because of national security concerns or of Chinese spying, government spying. The company depends on U.S. companies for computer chips. On Saturday, Trump held a news conference at the G20. So just like every single day with this man is a national international embarrassment. Trump held a news conference at the G20. When asked about Putin's FT comments on Western style liberalism being obsolete, Trump mistook the word The meaning of the word liberalism. Trump criticized what's happening in Los Angeles, where there's such a, which is so sad to look. And what's happening in San Francisco and a couple of other cities, which are run by extraordinary groups of liberal people. Trump also complained about the cost of the census, saying, quote, the census was so shocking to me. I figured it would not be expensive to do a census. It's billions of dollars, you know, billions, billions. This is where I insert folks. He's not going to let this happen. You watch. He's going to do something unprecedented. Do not count on norms even to protect our census. That is done every 10 years on a timely basis. On Friday, Representative Joseph Kennedy III, one of the most prominent members of the House of Representatives and a close ally of Speaker Pelosi, became the 85th member of Congress to call for impeachment Also notably, 15 of the 24 House Judiciary Committee members are for impeachment. I also just want to note here that there were five, the fifth, um, Representative Harley-Rude of California, who is in a swing district that also came for impeachment this week. Final story on Friday, the Wall Street Journal reported Deutsche Bank is considering cutting an additional 20,000 jobs. The bank faces a wide-ranging U.S. probe into possible money laundering and the bank's relationship with Trump. As author Rick Wilson says, everything Trump touches dies. (laughs) So with that, folks, another tough week and another continuation of paddles of Trump siding with authoritarianism and cruelty of people who aren't white. Stay involved. Stay engaged. Have a great week. We'll check back with you next week.